Welcome to another edition of ATL Prime Sports. I'm JJ Jurjevich. Joining me this evening is the one, the only Wayne Ridenauer in wonderful Memphis, Tennessee. You can find us all at ATL Prime Sports on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And we are on Apple and Spotify. So give us a like on YouTube. Give us a subscribe. Give us a review on Apple and Spotify. Uh, at JJ Get You One, myself, uh, personal Twitter, at RWY Junior for Wayne, and at Quarter Todd for TC Todd Quarter, who again is out this evening. Uh, how you doing, Wayne, my friend? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, you know, Texas is playing tonight, uh, looking to go over 500, playing Tampa Bay. And I think that uh, the people who are picking Tampa Bay to win have disregarded Texas's um, bullpen. I know uh, John Gray starting tonight for Texas has an ERA of around 12. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> but um, it's, uh, I, I really think Texas is going to win that game because they're playing at home. But and then again, I think Texas should win all the games. And Texas is playing pretty good baseball as of late. I'm doing great, which is a lot better than Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson, who had a 23rd accuser come forward this week. Now I see why Cleveland held on to Baker Mayfield. We will see how the NFL investigation plays out, and I will not comment any farther. What's on tap for today's show? College football is under 100 days away. We're going to give you some fun storylines. Braves' chances of winning the NL East. And the NBA Finals are set. And we'll talk a little NHL playoffs right here on ATL Prime Sports. And without further ado, let's kick off this show with a little college football talk. The kickoff to college football season is around the corner, under three months to be exact. Under 100 days, a little less than like 90-something days if you're talking to week zero. Um, Let's talk some storylines heading into the offseason, or I should say heading into the season during the offseason. we got to start out, and you can't talk college football without the man, the myth, the legend, and Nick Saban. And uh, the cherry on top, which was Jimbo Fisher and uh, Nick Saban's comments towards Texas A&M and Jimbo Fisher. I'll start this one off. That's the biggest story uh, storyline of the offseason. I think it's a little bit of a charade to, you know, spark up a little bit of controversy, maybe a little bit of, uh, you know, get, get a little putt. Uh, a little locker room talk going uh, in the offseason, get a little motivated for, for the upcoming season, something like that. But Nick Saban said that Texas A&M bought all their players, and uh, he, he came out during SEC media days in Destin, Florida this week saying, I uh, didn't say he did anything wrong. So it's just been, again, a charade, an absolute huge act, and it's working on both parts. Folks, Jimbo Fisher worked under Nick Saban. You know off the off the field here, they're probably got a little bit of a coaching feud, but you, I'm pretty sure they both respect each other professionally. So I think this has been a big charade. Uh, I think Nick Saban knew he was a little out of line with what he said, but again, neither of them are wrong in what they said. So Jimbo Fisher fights back or uh, uh, fires back, I should say, with, with the comment of his own. Uh, mentioning God and looking to his past. So 
who all knows what was really going on there? Uh, but I think a funny thing about this, Kirby Smart was asked about this Tuesday at SEC uh, Media Days in Destin, Florida, and he says it's Mickey Mouse compared to what they say on the headsets during the game on the sidelines. So uh, he pre- he preferred not to comment about it, and uh, that's about that. So kind of makes light of the story, but Nick Saban, Jimbo Fisher has got to be the biggest offseason story line of the year, maybe ever. What some serious fire put in the back pocket of the Texas A&M Aggies going in the offseason. Wayne, what say you about the Nick Saban and Jim, uh, Jimbo Fisher feud? You had a great comment off air. Why don't you go ahead and say it for our listeners here on ATL Prime Sports? Well, you know, a lot of a lot of people would say that it's all theatrics, and that's exactly what I think it is. You know, when um, maybe people are saying, you know, or maybe they are trying to rile up their fan base, but do Texas A&M and Alabama fans really ever need to be riled up? I think they stay riled up all year long. Uh, and so, actually, what it may be doing if they did if it did anything is it got uh other fans talking about texas a&m and alabama who you know there may be some big 10 fans who are talking about it now so in that respect it worked but does it mean i don't think it means anything and uh the reason that i think kirby smart is probably not bought into it and talking about it is because uh he's he should be more worried about south carolina's program because i think that's a program that's on the research and uh, you know, could end up giving him trouble in the East. Yeah, that you're you're right about that. The transfer Spencer Rattler from Oklahoma comes in, and can't think of his name. Shane, Shane Beamer, there it is. Shane yeah, Beamer, Beamer. Uh, head head coach over there in South Carolina, has really got some momentum going in Columbia. You're right about that. Secondary story headline for me. Is the current climate of name image likeness sustainable? I don't know. I, I, I don't want to say yes or no in this climate because I think in a couple years it will level out. Old Miss head coach Lane Kiffin had a really good point here. He said there's tears to it. Uh, there's levels to this. If you know what I mean as a uh, hip-hop fan, it, it's... It, it, it's tough to say right now, Wayne. That's why I say I don't know. I, I think it will be sustainable in a couple of years when some of these uh, wealthy uh, alumnus from smaller schools go, hey, why can't I just invest a couple million dollars with this other guy from Joe Schmo B from, let's say, Georgia State University? Let's say we get two multimillionaires from Georgia State University that say, let's make the Panthers great. They put about, say, $5 million a piece or two two fifth. To uh, $2.5 million a piece, and you come up with $5 million to pay some elite players to come to Georgia State. I think that in a couple of years is very feasible. Uh, it's just a matter of if it will happen, but I do think name image likeness is sustainable, but at the rate it's going right now, I don't know the answer to that question. So that is a off-season storyline for years to come. Is name image likeness sustainable in this climate? You hear the NCAA is changing gears every single day trying to combat this issue and uh, get it managed. But here we are, 
June 1st, 2022, it's been in play, let's say, uh, about a year now. It doesn't look too good right now, but I don't know if it's sustainable. I don't know the answer to that question. Wayne, you want to comment on this bad boy? Well, you know, I, I, I don't think it'll last. I think it's going to end up kind of messing it its own self up because it's going to get involved in a lot of things that uh, are uh, damaging to college football. But you had brought up something interesting about smaller schools and uh, wealthy investors just deciding to, you know, give name image likeness money to a player just to get them to go to your school. And it made me think of a of a guy that uh, was a wrestling promoter here in Memphis named Jimmy Hart. I don't know if you're a wrestling fan or not or know who Jimmy Hart is, but uh, it would be funny if Memphis would all of a sudden have a uh, Jimmy Hart investment group. And we're going to give $5 million name image likeness money to some big name player. It's seemingly that's what it all that's all it takes. Yeah, well. Later, you know, I'll put a link in the uh, description of video who, who Jimmy Hart is, and everybody can look it up and see who he is. And he he had, he was, uh, I think, the manager or something like that for um, uh, Jerry Lawler uh, years ago. But he was he's quite a character. Quite a character indeed. And, uh, folks, Wayne will have that. If you're watching on YouTube, Wayne will have that link somewhere up in here. Um, my final comment, my final story of the offseason, and then uh, we'll, we'll toss it up in the air, is can Georgia repeat? We're in the state of national champions here. Georgia loses 15 to the draft. Can they repeat? I think they can. I think they have a good schedule to do so. They're heavy favorites against arguably their toughest opponent opening week in Oregon and Mercedes-Benz Stadium versus former defensive coordinator Dan Lanning and former Auburn quarterback Bo Nix. Uh, I think they're 16-and-a-half or 17-and-a-half point favorites somewhere in there, depending on which site you look at. Look, again, they lost 15 to the draft, but in comes a great wide receiving core. Despite the loss of uh, Burton to Alabama, you still have Kyrus Jackson, you still have Ladd McConkey, you still have Adoni Mitchell, A.D. Mitchell, as I like to call him, who had a huge touchdown pass, uh, reception, I should say, in the national championship game. Uh, Tate Ratledge will be back at left guard. Uh, you still have Jalen Carter, who Mel Kuyper right now has as a top five player on his 2020, uh, 2023 big board. So you still have a ton, a ton of studs, a ton of five stars here at Georgia. And you can't count out the Bulldogs and Coach Kirby Smart now that they've gotten over the hip. Uh, uh, at the hill, I should say. Look, you still have Robert Beal there as a five-star. Nolan Smith decided to come back. Uh, Tyke Ty Smith, the transfer from West Virginia, is going to play his senior year. And then you have the star of the national championship game, Keely Ringo, which I named my new puppy after Ringo. <laughs> still there. So, still got a lot of talent. And, of course, you got the national champion winning quarterback, Stetson Bennett. Kenny McIntosh is there. Kenny Milton, Kendall Milton's still there. Lots of talent behind Stetson Bennett, as we all know. So I, I think they still have a very good shot to repeat as national champions next year. Wayne, any comment on the Georgia Bulldogs and any other storylines that surprised you or were you were thinking of in the offseason? Uh, not really, but to go on back into that Georgia thing, you know, I. I know repeating as national champs would be great, but 
I think they need to focus on what's going on in the SEC East. And to me, the two biggest teams that are going to be challenges to them is going to be uh, Tennessee and South Carolina. Uh, Florida's going through some changes right now. Um, I don't think that uh, Kentucky, Vanderbilt, or uh, uh, who else is out there? Well, anyway, it, it, I think Florida, or not Florida, but uh, South Carolina. Kentucky, yeah. Vandy. Well, um, South Carolina and Tennessee are going to be the two big obstacles. And if yeah, I think he needs to focus on that and then worry about national championship should the, you know, everything fall into place because I, are they still going to do four teams, right? Yep. Still going to so, do four teams. So. You know, it's just, they need to focus on taking care of the East first and then, you know, take care of whoever their opponent is from the West. Folks, if you like this content, please give us a like, give us a subscribe on YouTube. We are on Apple and Spotify. Just search ATL Prime Sports. Thanks for listening. Let's get into our second topic. It's about these world champion Atlanta Braves. Our Atlanta Braves are 10 and a half back of the New York Mets in the NL East, which is not the NL East this year. Can they still win this division and put a percentage on the chances they do so? Yeah, they still can. I'd say it's still pretty high. I'd say 40 to 45% chance that they still can win this division. DeGrom's hurt. Scherzer's hurt. We've seen the Mets collapse in the past, so history is there on your side. You also saw the Braves are about the same as they were last year at this point in the year. and We all know what happened after the All-Star break last year, so that's all good and well. But let's get into it. Look, the Braves blew a four-run lead versus the Arizona Diamondbacks Tuesday night. Blowing a four-run lead is unacceptable. You can't do that at any point in the season. That's what gets you farther and farther away from the Mets, and that's what gets you what makes you rely on the wild card, in which Arizona's the only team in front of that final wild card spot right now for Atlanta. So blowing a four-run read, unacceptable, in the sixth inning or later, the players would agree with me on that. Brian Snicker would agree me with, would agree with me on that. I'm not saying fire anybody. I'm just saying that's unacceptable. That's not the type of baseball that the World Championship Atlanta Braves think they can play throughout the season. Yes, they are gone with Freddie Freeman. Yes, it's a new new uh, new season, new page. Lots of keys were missing. Rosario's in the, on the IL, Solaire's in Miami, Jack Peterson's crushing the ball in San Francisco and having fantasy football disputes on yeah. the field and getting slapped <laughs> in the face, and they're still winning baseball games, and Atlanta's struggling to stay around 500. So, uh, again, blowing a four-run lead, unacceptable, but there is optimism, and here's the optimism. Take away the two losses, look at the hits, eight hits in game one 14 hits in game two 12 more in wednesday's matinee six to nothing win against the d-backs to close out the series look and they also pulled a burden off their back in this series uh beating madison bumgarner for the first time since 2012. so there's some optimism moving forward the offense is hitting the ball the defense has to stop making errors Soroka, Yates in the bullpen. Soroka as a starter could come back around the All-Star break or after. And those could be like the trades that Alex Anthopoulos made last year. But it just could be additions from the injured uh, injured list. I keep wanting to call it IR, but it's the injured list. So I, I think 
the chances are around 40%. Another storyline is the emergence of William Contreras and Michael Harris II. These guys have been unbelievable. Why didn't we call them up early? Harris comes from double A straight up to the big show, gets two RBIs in two days, has two great catches, his gloves showing it, really showing like a five-tool player, can run on the base path, and then Contreras. Why can't okay. this guy be in the lineup every day? Another multi-hit game earlier Wednesday afternoon, three hits with another RBI. This guy's got to be in the lineup every day. We got to figure out a way to get him with Ron Washington, play left field, do something, DH, whatever it takes. But there's got to be a way that Contreras can be in this lineup every day because he's an everyday contributor. His bat's proven that point. He's not the best behind the plate. Darno is so valuable when it comes to calling a game behind the plate and his defensive ability and his ability to throw out runners. So, you got to find a way to get Contreras in that lineup. Very interesting job Brian Snicker has going down the stretch here because they get healthy. Contreras is looking good. You get Rosario back. Duvall's struggling. There's a lot of issues with this team, but they can still win this division. It'll be tough to do because the Mets are, again, 10 and a half up, much better than last year. The Phillies are a little bit better than last year. We'll see what happens down the stretch. But this team is completely different than last year in the fact that the NL East is a lot better and playing a lot better right now. Wayne, what say you about the Atlanta Braves, or you just want to talk about the Rangers for a quick second? <laughs> Give us a score update. Well, there's no score right now. It, you know, they're still working on the first inning. But uh, as far as Atlanta goes, it's, it's too early to start prognosticating whether they will or will not be able to repeat. Uh, if you know, as a Texas fan, I always know to judge how the postseason may go or may not go uh, around the middle of August. Uh, that's usually when I start either worrying or getting excited. Um, you know, and if if my mom were here, she would be able to tell you more about the thoughts on the Atlanta Braves because she watches every game she can. Um, but it's simple as, miscues have been have been. Uh... A big key to the Atlanta Braves' non-success. You had Dylan Lee get the ground ball you need the other night. Olsen can't complete the double play. Marcel Ozuna, an 85% catch probability. The ball drops in front of him as he dives to make it. Just just blunder plays that, that really leave you scratching your head like, what's going on here? So you, your mother would understand that. Yeah. It's... It's been it's been head scratching for Braves fans as of late. Yeah, well, you know, I I would which team in uh, Atlanta's division are you more surprised by, uh, the success of the Mets or the uh, success of Philadelphia? I I'd have to say the Mets. The history would say, and every baseball writer in America would say, oh, the Mets, the Mets, the Mets, and. I picked the Mets last year. Uh, I, I thought they would be healthy enough with DeGrom at the end of the year to hold off the Braves. They were not. Well, this year, if they get DeGrom and Scherzer back healthy, 
it doesn't look good for the Atlanta Braves. So I'm definitely more worried about the Mets. Look, the Mets are, I, I think, 8-2. and two. They've won six in a row uh, in their last 10. They're playing unbelievable ball. And you know, I mentioned they're, they're, they're without two of their best players. They get those guys back, and Atlanta's 10-and-a-half back. It's going to be real, real tough to come back from. So I'm definitely more scared about the Mets. But good question, Wayne. <laughs> Let's move forward with the show. Charge on as we go to the NBA Finals. They're set. Boston Celtics, Golden State Warriors. Wayne and I were half right on the teacher's credit <laughs> question. Who's going to be yeah. in the NBA Finals? We got a 50 out of 100. Let's talk some storylines going in. It's going to be a fun series, folks. Uh, Warriors are game one favorites. Three and a half points. Uh, Thursday night over the Celtics and a slight series favorite, really close. One of the closer NBA finals in recent history. Uh, again, game one Thursday night, 9 p.m. at the Chase Center in beautiful San Francisco, California. Uh, that's the first storyline. Second storyline to me, Boston is looking for their first title since 2008 when Doc Rivers was the head coach with the Boston Three party, yeah. Uh, for look, for it's their first finals appearance since 2010, and for Golden State, the complete opposite. Been dominating six yeah. finals appearance in the last eight seasons. Teams split the regular season series one and one. Interesting stat here. Uh, I know both teams weren't 100 percent when they played each other. Uh, both teams were very different, but the road team won each game, which was very eye opening to me. Uh, when that happens, usually you're going to be in for a fun, long coin toss of a series. And the NBA needs that. The playoffs have been, um, honestly, for lack of a better term, uh, not very close. Uh, you, you haven't had many close games, buzzer beaters, down-to-the-wire games. So the NBA Finals really should be a treat with the Seas and the Warriors. Uh, health, health issues, both teams. Not 100% coming in. Celtic center Rob Williams still dealing with some knee soreness. Also, Marcus Smart, he's bumped and bruised all over, but that ankle is still killing him. But he should be good to go per head coach, um, Ime Udaka. Uh, Warriors are beat up too. Forward Andre Iguodala is questionable for Thursday's game with neck issues. Uh, Otto Porter Jr., Forward is day to day with foot injury sustained during the uh, Grizzly series, and uh, excuse excuse me in the conference finals. Auto Auto uh, Porter was the conference finals. Gary Payton the second was hurt in the Grizzly series. He broke his elbow and he is questionable for this series going in. So health is a storyline going in. Um, both teams, not 100%, should be fun to watch. Again, I think this is a coin toss of a series. I think it will go the distance. Uh, right now, if you're asking me, I'm picking the Warriors in seven. They got home home court advantage. Boom. There's my pick. Guard play. My last storyline of this NBA Finals is guard play. It's going to be the key to the series. It's Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown versus Steph Curry, Klay Thompson who shoots better on offense, who causes more turnovers and more disruption on defense. you got to be hard to guard. Uh, both these teams play interchangeable basketball positions one through five. 
Uh, they can speed it up. They can slow it down. They can shoot from outside. And Marcus Smart's a really good defender. So right now I give the edge to the C's in defense. But when you've in, when you've entered your six finals in eight years, you have that experience. And that's why I'm going with the Warriors in seven. I think it'll be a great series. Uh, that's my final storyline. Wayne, any storylines you're looking forward to in the NBA finals this year? Well, I'm saying it's going to be Boston in seven, and I think it will go seven because these teams are pretty equally matched. But I think the difference is going to be in uh, forced turnovers, uh, in other words, steals. And I think that uh, Boston's going to have the advantage there. Yeah, they're one of the better defensive teams in the league all season long. I mentioned it, which team is harder to guard on offense and which team forces the other team to turn the ball over and have a bad field goal percentage. Let's move on to our final topic of the night. The NHL Stanley Cup playoffs have been very entertaining. We're down to four teams in the conference finals. In the West, you have the Colorado Avalanche versus the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, Colorado's up one nothing. Game one was a shootout, 14 goals total, 8-6, to six, won by the Avs. Game two, Thursday night, 8 p.m. in Denver's Ball Arena. Moving over to the East Coast, the Eastern Conference Finals, New York Rangers, Tampa Bay Lightning. Big-time names, big-time teams. Tampa Bay is going for the triple, the three-peat. Rangers, though, interesting stat here. Brought to you by Todd Quarter. Rangers are 5-0 and in this year's postseason in elimination games. Very interesting stat there. Backs against the wall. Rangers play well. Very interesting stat. Game one uh, is uh, actually underway in Madison Square Garden in New York, New York, as we speak right now as this show is being recorded so wayne any thoughts on the nhl stanley cup playoffs conference finals well you, you know i'm a, a toronto maple leafs fan so i don't really like any of these teams and if it would have been <laughs> anybody else uh besides toronto i might have you know had some interest in it but I, I frankly i just don't i don't like any of these teams Hey, I got to have a hot goalkeeper. That's what I always say about the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs. Hot goalkeeper, make the least amount of mistakes. Colorado looks like they may get the cup again. Uh, those abs, I have to be – if I had a horse in the race, it would be the avalanche because I lived in Colorado for two ski seasons, and they love their hockey up there in the high country in the 5280. So it should be an exciting series folks that wraps up our show let's get some closing thoughts in i'll start this one off because this is just intriguing to me uh we're gonna see a new league of golf the first ever liv golf invitational series event is this weekend at centuron club right outside of london england or if you remember in austin powers uh, london uh england uh, the 42 entrants, some big names include Dustin Johnson, the 2020 Masters champion, currently ranked 13th in the world, the highest ranked golfer in this new uh, LIV Golf Invitational Series, Sergio Garcia. We all know Sergio, uh, major champion as well. Graham McDowell, Lee Westwood, and Ian Poulter, some of the bigger names out there. Bill Mickelson who started this whole controversy, is not playing in the event. So, Phil, 
Come on back. Play some golf. This lefty is begging for you. You see Bubba Watson behind me. Yeah. I'm a lefty guy. I'm a lefty guy. I need a lefty in my life. Phil, come on back. Play some golf. But, yeah, no, that's my closing thought, man. Uh, and, uh, look. It's former world number one Greg Norman's world out there in the LIV Invitational, and he said free agency has finally come to golf. That's my final thought. I know it was a long one. Wayne, what say you? Well, uh, if I'm going to have any kind of closing thought, it was be on last weekend's uh, motorsports. Uh, it was the big weekend for motorsports. You had the Monaco Grand Prix. You had the Indianapolis 500 and the Coca-Cola 600. And so congratulations to uh, – Red Bull, Honda, and Toyota in the uh, Coca-Cola 600. Uh, I don't think uh, Denny Hamlin's get anything to complain about this time. No, not, nothing, nothing there. And my final, final thought, a bonus final thought, is I hope everybody had a happy and safe Memorial Day. I want to say thank you to all those who have paid the ultimate sacrifice to protect this great country. Um, happy Memorial Day to everybody. Again, I hope you had a safe one and an enjoyable one. For Wayne, I'm JJ. For TC, who's not with us, this has been ATL Prime Sports. If you like what you see, please follow on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search at ATL Prime Sports. Thanks for listening. Get you one.